We're reading from the Krishna book, otherwise that's the, um, this book is named Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, otherwise known as Krishna book. <laughs> Chapter 15, The Killing of Tenukasura. In this way, Sri Krishna, along with his elder brother Balaram, passed the childhood age known as Komara and stepped into the age of Pauganda from the sixth year up to the tenth. At that time, all the coward men conferred and agreed to give those boys who had passed their fifth year charge of the cows in the pasturing ground. Given charge of the cows, Krishna and Balaram traversed Vrindavan, purifying the land with their lotus footprints. Accompanied by the coward boys in Balaram, Krishna brought forward the cows and played on his flute as he entered the forest of Vrindavan, which was full of flowers, vegetation, and pasturing grass. The Vrindavan forest was as sanctified as the clear mind of a devotee and was full of bees, flowers, and fruits. There were chirping birds and clear water lakes with waters that could relieve one of all fatigue. Sweet-smelling breezes blew always, refreshing the mind and body. Krishna, with his friends and Balaram, entered the forest and, seeing the favorable situation, desired to enjoy the atmosphere to the fullest extent. Krishna saw all the trees overloaded with fruits and fresh twigs, bending down to touch the ground as if welcoming him by touching his lotus feet. He was very much pleased by the behavior of the trees, fruits and flowers, and he began to smile, realizing their desires. Krishna then spoke to his elder brother Balaram as follows. My dear brother, you are superior to all of us, and your lotus feet are worshipped by the demigods. Just see how these trees full with fruits and flowers have bent down to worship your lotus feet. It appears that they are trying to get out of the darkness that has obliged them to accept the form of trees. Actually, the trees born in the land of Vrindavan are not ordinary living entities. Having held the impersonal point of view in their past lives, they have been put into this stationary condition of life but now they have the opportunity of seeing you in Vrindavan and they are praying for further advancement in spiritual life through your personal association. Generally, living entities in the mode of darkness obtain the bodies of trees. The impersonalist philosophers are in that darkness, but they eradicate it by taking full advantage of your presence. I think the drones that are buzzing all around you must have been your devotees in their past lives. They cannot leave your company because no one can be a better, more affectionate master than you. You are the supreme and original personality of God and the drones are just trying to spread your glories by chanting at every moment.
I think that some of them must be great sages, devotees of your lordship, and they are disguising themselves in the form of drones because they are unable to give up your company even for a moment. My dear brother, you are the supreme worshipable Godhead. Just see how the peacocks are dancing before you in great ecstasy. The deer, whose behavior is just like that of the gopis, are welcoming you with the same affection. And the cuckoos, who are residing in this forest, are welcoming you with their joyful, sweet cries, because they consider that your appearance in their home is so auspicious. Even though they are trees and animals, these residents of Vrindavan are glorifying you. They are prepared to welcome you to the best of their ability, as is the practice of great souls in receiving another great soul at home. As for the land, it is so pious and fortunate because the footprints of your lotus feet are marking its body. It is quite natural for these Vrindavan inhabitants to thus receive a great personality like you. The herbs, creepers, and plants are also so fortunate to touch your lotus feet. And by your touching the twigs with your fingernails, these small plants are also made glorious. As for the hills and the rivers, they too are now glorious because you are glancing at them. Above all, the damsels of Raja, the gopis, are the most glorious because you embrace them with your strong arms, being attracted by their beauty. In this way, Lord Krishna and Balaram began to enjoy the residents of Vrindavan to their full satisfaction as they herded the calves and cows on the bank of the Jamuna. In some places, Krishna and Balaram were accompanied by their friends. The boys were singing, imitating the humming sound of the drones and accompanying Krishna and Balaram, who were garlanded with forest flowers. While walking, the boys sometimes imitated the quacking sound of the swans in the lake. Or, when they saw the peacocks dancing, they imitated them before Krishna. Krishna also moved his neck, imitating the dancing and making his friends laugh. The cows taken care of by Krishna had different names, and Krishna would call them with love. After hearing Krishna calling, the cows would immediately respond by mooing, and the boys would enjoy this exchange to their heart's content. They would all imitate the sound vibrations made by the different kinds of birds, especially the chakoras, peacocks, cuckoos, and baradwajas. Sometimes, when they would see the weaker animals fleeing out of fear of the sounds of tigers and lions, the boys, along with Krishna and Balaram, would imitate the animals and run away with them. When they felt some fatigue, they would sit down and Balaram would put his head on the lap of one of the boys just to take rest, and Krishna would immediately come and begin massaging the legs of Balaram. And sometimes Krishna would take a palm fan and fan the body of Balaram causing a pleasing breeze to relieve him of his fatigue. Other boys would sometimes dance or sing while Balaram took rest, and sometimes they would wrestle amongst themselves or jump. When the boys were thus engaged, Krishna would immediately join them, and catching their hands, he would enjoy their company and laugh and praise their activities. When Krishna would feel tired and fatigued, he would sometimes take shelter of the root of a big tree with the lap of a coward boy and lie down. When he would lie down with a boy or a root as his pillow, 
Some of the boys would come and massage his legs, and some would fan his body with a fan made of leaves. Some of the more talented boys would sing in very sweet voices to please him. Thus, very soon, his fatigue would go away. The Supreme Personality of God in Krishna, whose legs are tended by the goddess of fortune, shared himself with the coward boys as one of them, expanding his in internal potency to appear exactly like a village boy. But despite his appearance just like a village boy, there were occasions when he proved himself to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sometimes men pose themselves as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and cheat the innocent public, but they can only cheat. They cannot exhibit the potency of God. While Krishna was thus engaged in his transcendental pastimes, exhibiting his internal potency in the company of the supermost fortunate cowherd boys, there occurred another chance for him to exhibit the superhuman powers of Godhead. His most intimate friends, Sridhama, Subala, and Stoka Krishna, addressed Krishna and Balaram with great love and affection thus. Dear Balaram, you are very powerful. Your arms are very strong. Dear Krishna, you are very expert in killing all kinds of disturbing demons. Will you kindly note that just near this place there is a big forest of the name Talava? This forest is full of palm trees, and all the trees are filled with fruits. Some have fallen down, and some are very ripe, even in the trees. It is a very nice place, but because of a great demon, Tenukasura, it is very difficult to go there. No one could reach the trees to collect the fruits. Dear Krishna and Balaram, this demon is present there in the form of an ass, and he is surrounded by similar demon friends who have assumed the sh same shape. All of them are very strong, so it is very difficult to approach this place. Dear brothers, you are the only persons who can kill such demons. Other than you, no one can go there for fear of being killed. Not even animals go there, and no birds are living there. They have all left. One can only appreciate the sweet aroma that is coming from that place. It appears that up until now, no one has tasted the sweet fruits there, either on the tree or on the ground. Dear Krishna, to tell you frankly, we are very attracted by this sweet aroma. Dear Balaram, if you like, let us all go there and enjoy these fruits. The aroma of the fruits is now spread everywhere. Don't you smell it from here? <laughs> when Balaram and Krishna were thus petitioned by their intimate friends, they were inclined to please them, and with smiling faces they proceeded toward the forest, surrounded by all their friends. Immediately upon entering the Talavan, Balarama began to yank the trees with his arms, exhibiting the strength of an elephant. Because of this jerking, all the ripe fruits fell down on the ground. <clears throat> Upon hearing the sound of the falling fruits, the demon Denakasura, who was living there in the form of an ass, approached with great force, shaking the whole field so that all trees moved as if there were an earthquake. The demon appeared before Balaram and kicked his chest 
with his hind legs. At first, Balarama did not say anything, but with great anger, the demon kicked him, kicked him again, more vehemently. This time, Balaram immediately caught hold of the legs of the ass with one hand and, wheeling him around, threw him into the treetops. While he was being wheeled around by Balarama, the demon lost his life. Balarama threw the demon into the biggest palm tree of there about, and the demon's body was so heavy that the palm tree fell upon other trees and several fell down. It appeared as if a great hurricane was passing through the forest and all the trees were falling down one after another. This exhibition of extraordinary strength is not astonishing because Balarama is the personality of Godhead known as Anantashesha, Naga, who is holding up all the planets on the hoods of his millions of heads. He maintains the whole cosmic manifestation exactly as horizontal and vertical threads hold the weaving of a cloth. <clears throat> After the demon had been thrown into the trees, all the friends and associates of Denukasura immediately assembled and attacked Balarama and Krishna with great force. They were determined to retaliate and avenge the death of their friend. But Krishna and Balaram caught each of the asses by the hind legs and exactly in the same way wheeled them around. Thus they killed all of them and threw them into the palm trees. Because of the dead bodies of the asses there was a panoramic scene. It appeared as if clouds of various colors were assembled in the trees. Hearing of this great incident, the demigods from the higher planets showered flowers on Krishna and Balarama and beat their drums and offered devo devotional prayers. A few days after the killing of Denukasura, people began to come into the Talavan forest to collect the fruits and animals began to return without fear to feed on the nice grasses growing there. Just by chanting or hearing these transcendental activities and pastimes of the brothers Krishna and Balarama, one can amass pious activities. Just by chanting or hearing these transcendental activities and pastimes of the brothers Krishna and Balarama, one can amass pious activities. When Krishna and Balarama entered the village of Vrindavan, along with their friends, they played their flutes and the boys praised their uncommon activities in the forest. Their faces were decorated with tilak and smeared with the dust raised by the cows. And Krishna's head was decorated with a peacock feather. Both he and Balaram played their flutes and the young gopis were joyous to see Krishna returning home. All the gopis in Vrindavan were, mm, remained very morose on account of Krishna's absence. All day they were thinking of Krishna in the forest or of him herding cows in the pasture. When they saw Krishna returning, all their anxieties were immediately relieved and they began to look at his face, the way drones hover over the honey 
of the lotus flower. When Krishna entered the village, the young gopis smiled and laughed. <clears throat> Krishna, while playing the flute, enjoyed the beautiful smiling faces of the gopis. Then Krishna and Balaram were immediately received by their affectionate mothers, Yashoda and Rohini, who according to the time's demands began to fulfill the desires of their affectionate sons. Simultaneously, the mothers rendered service and bestowed benediction upon their transcendental sons. They took care of their children by bathing them and dressing them very nicely. Krishna was dressed in yellowish garments and Balarama was dressed in bluish garments and they were given all sorts of ornaments and flower garlands. Being relieved of the fatigue of their day's work in the pasturing ground, they looked refreshed and very beautiful. They were given palatable dishes by their mothers and they pleasantly ate everything. After eating, they were seated nicely on clean bedding and the mothers began to sing various songs of their activities. As soon as they lay down on the bedding, they very quickly fell fast asleep. In this way, Krishna and Balarama used to enjoy Vrindavan life as cowherd boys. Sometimes Krishna used to go with his boyfriends and Balarama and sometimes he used to go alone with his friends to the bank of the Jamuna and tend the cows. Gradually, the summer season arrived and one day, while in the field, the boys and cows became very thirsty and then began to drink the water of the Yamuna. The river, however, had been made poisonous by the venom of the great serpent known as Kaliya. Because the water was so poisonous, the boys and cows became visibly affected immediately after drinking. They suddenly fell down on the ground, apparently dead. Then Krishna, who is the life of all that lives, simply cast his merciful glance over them and all the boys and cows regained consciousness and began to look at one another with great astonishment. They could understand that by drinking the water of the Yamuna they had died and the, the merciful, merciful glance of Krishna had restored their lives. Thus they appreciated the mystic power of Krishna, who is known as Yogeshwara, the master of all mystic powers. Mystics, excuse me, the master of all mystics. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta. The master of all mystic yogis. Thus they appreciated the mystic power of Krishna, who is known as Yogeshwara, the master of all mystic yogis. That would be a good name for a gift shop, the mystic yogi. There you go. Huh? You got it. Huh? You know what they say about somebody who has a good idea? <laughs> Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 15th chapter of Krishna, the killing of Dinokasura. <laughs> Well done, Krishna. Well done, Balarama. Well done, Balarama. Well done, Balarama. Well done, Balarama. Well done, Balarama.
Haribo, Haribo. Any uh, reflections? The parts that stuck to your stuck to your ribs. Go ahead. Hare Krishna. That yeah. was an amazing chapter. That was my comment. Because <laughs> 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 he lives in the, he lives with the cows. Yeah, he was very nice. He was telling us about it. Because you can use those memories, you know? Nice. Go ahead. I have a question. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> it's uh, the, the part which Maharaj repeated again. Um, simply by hearing and chanting uh, the glories of Krishna, I don't know the details, but chanting the glories of Krishna, we can amass uh, pious activities or something? Pious credits, pious activities, yeah. But isn't it, isn't it beyond that? It's transcendental. So. Bhaktivinoda yeah. Thakur describes, this is in a purport in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Srila Prabhupada catalogs the various kinds of sukriti that one can amass. They said from those who are jnanis, you get jnana umuki sukriti, which means you get more qualification, adhikari, for merging into the supreme absolute truth. From the karmis, the karma umuki sukriti, you get some affinity for and qualification for developing materially. And when you associate with Krishna and his devotees, then you get bhakti unmukhi sukriti. And this is transcendental sukriti. It's different from what we call pious activities in the material world. It's transcendental. It's mentioned also, already we went through when we were reading from the 13th chapter of, the, of this, yeah, 13th chapter. The famous verse, Itam Sutam Brahma Sakana Bhukya Dasyam Gatanam Paradayavatena Mayashitanam Naradarakena Sakam Vrijaru Kritapunya Punjaha. It's mentioned that the, some people they're attracted to the impersonal Brahman effulgence of the Lord. Others they're attracted to the Lord in Vaikuntha, worshipping in the mood of reverence. Others they take Krishna as an ordinary person because they're covered by Maya. The coward boys, Sakamvrajaru Kritapunya Punjaha. Punya Punjaha. Kritapunya Punjaha means that they've amassed heaps of Bhakti and Mukhi Sukriti, or this uh, kind of Sukriti that gives one qualification in Bhakti. It's also mentioned in the Jaiva Dharma in the very beginning. Bhakti Munotakur quotes from the Brihat. From the no, the same, the same uh, shastra where Harinama, 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 Brihat Naradriya Purana, he includes a verse which describes the way in which one who collects this bhakti mukhi sukriti uh, becomes more and more uh, ready for bhakti, 
when one's accumulated a sufficient amount of bhakti sukriti, then shraddha or faith is born in Krishna. And this is the how Prabhupada described how every living entity has a bank account in his or her heart. And every time one comes in contact with the devotees or Krishna's holy name or hearing and chanting, then one accumulates this bhakti mukhi sukriti. It's like the bank account filling up. And when you get a sufficient amount, then you get shraddha or faith in bhakti, which preliminarily means faith in bhakti scriptures. All other pious activities are contained within it. Other points? Prabhu? Once we do the activity of transcendental devotional service, once we have, uh, uh, you know, the pious activities, as you explained, uh, it brings us to the point of being able to practice. But once we practice it by hearing and chanting, how can that also be applied to give us pious I think that maybe it's a matter of semantics. It's inherently It's inherently pious. There's no there's no it's not that you get you amass a certain amount of pious activities and that's it. There's a very nice purport in the Briya Bhagavatamrita that talks about how <clears throat> some people think that uh, there's a goal, there's a goal, and then there's an end goal, and there's nothing after the end purport. goal. It's a long purport. <clears throat> I could get it, and read it. It's very interesting. Just say what it is first. Uh, but it, some people think it's a fault. But uh, actually, <clears throat> um, realization of spiritual life and, and, and bhakti is actually there's never any end to it in other words you continue to accumulate uh, I think he's got you this time in, in, you, in, you continually uh, uh, accumulate positivity and there's it, 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 he defines it as to be the goal is an endless development of variety of activities and each one of those activities is pure piety in itself. So you never stop accumulating piety activities in that sense. Every time you do devotional service activity, it's, it's pious in, by nature, it's pious, and it, and it disarms all impiety and keeps it of a different place. Duryanayabadam karma, buddhiyoga dananjaya, buddhao, Shadanaman Vichja Kripana Pala Hetava. There Krishna says, you throw all inauspicious activities to a distant place. Durina Yavanam Karma. And how? Buddhi Yoga Dananjaya. So there's Buddhi Yoga. You're, you must have surrendered to a certain point because you're, you're doing devotional service. But then Krishna says, Shadanam. Uh, uh, from that position, you surrender. So a person who no longer is a kripana, who no longer is trying to enjoy the fruits of the activity, then his surrender is ongoing, is ongoing, his piety is ongoing and ongoing, and it never stops. <clears throat>
We're continuing the reading of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And we'll take up where we left off. That means we're now at chapter 16, Subduing Kaliya. When he understood that the water of the Jamuna was being polluted by the black serpent Kaliya, Lord Krishna took action against him and made him leave the Jamuna and go elsewhere. And thus, the water became purified. When this story was being narrated by Shukadeva Goswami, Maharaj Prikshit became eager to hear more about Krishna's childhood pastimes. He inquired from Shukadeva Goswami how Krishna chastised Kaliya, who had been living in the water for many years. Actually, Maharaj Prikshit was becoming more and more enthusiastic to hear the transcendental pastimes of Krishna and his inquiry was made with great interest. Shukadeva Goswami narrated the story as follows. Within the river Jamuna, there was a great lake, and in that lake the black serpent Kaliya used to live. Because of his poison, the whole area was so contaminated that it emanated a poisonous vapor 24 hours a day. If a bird happened to even pass over the spot, it would immediately die and fall down into the water. Due to the poisonous effect of the Jamuna's vapors, the trees and grass near the bank of the Jamuna had all dried up. Lord Krishna saw the effect of the great serpent's poison. The whole river that ran before Vrindavan was now deadly. Krishna, who had vented himself just to kill all undesirable elements in the world, immediately climbed up onto a big Kadamba tree on the bank of the Jamuna. The Kadamba is a tree bearing round yellow flowers that is generally seen only in the Vrindavan area. After climbing to the top of the tree, he tightened his belt cloth and, slapping his arms just like a wrestler, jumped into the midst of the poisonous lake. The Kadamba tree from which Krishna jumped was the only tree there which was not dead. Some commentators say that due to being touched by the lotus feet of Krishna, the tree immediately became alive. In some other Puranas, it is stated that Garuda, the eternal carrier of Vishnu, knew that Krishna would take this action in the future, and so he put some nectar on this tree to preserve it. When Lord Krishna jumped into the water, the river overflooded its banks to a distance of 100 yards, as if something very large had fallen into it. This exhibition of Krishna's strength is not at all uncommon because he is the reservoir of all strength. When Krishna was swimming about, just like a great strong elephant, he made a tumultuous sound which the great black serpent Kaliya could hear. The tumult was intolerable for him and he could understand that this was an attempt to attack his home. Therefore, he immediately came before Krishna Kaliya saw that Krishna was indeed worth seeing because his body was so beautiful and delicate. Its color resembled that of a cloud and his feet resembled lotus flowers. He was decorated with Srivatsa, jewels and yellow garments. He was smiling with a beautiful face and playing in the river Jamuna with great strength. But in spite of Krishna's beautiful features, Kaliya felt great anger within his heart unless he grabbed Krishna with his mighty coils. Seeing the incredible way in which Krishna was enveloped in the coils of the serpent, 
the affectionate cowherd boys and other inhabitants of Vrindavan immediately became stunned out of fear. They had dedicated everything to Krishna. Their lives, property, affection, activities, everything was for Krishna. And when they saw him in that condition, they became overwhelmed with fear and fell down on the ground. All the cows, bulls, and small calves became overwhelmed with grief and began to look at him with great anxiety. Out of fear, they could only cry in agony and stand erect on the bank, unable to help their beloved Krishna. While this scene was taking place on the bank of the Jamuna, there were ill omens manifest. The earth trembled, meteors fell from the sky, and the left side of men's bodies shivered. All these are indications of great immediate danger. Observing the inauspicious signs, the coward men, including Maharaj Nanda, became very anxious out of fear. At the same time, they were informed that Krishna had gone to the pasturing ground without his elder brother Balaram. As soon as Nanda and Yashoda and the cowherd men heard this news, they became even more anxious. Out of their great affection for Krishna and being unaware of the extent of his potencies, they became overwhelmed with grief and anxiety because they had nothing dearer than Krishna and because they had dedicated their everything, life, property, affection, mind, and activities to Krishna. Because of their great attachment for Krishna, they thought, Krishna, today, Krishna is surely going to be vanquished. All the inhabitants of Vrindavan came out of the village to see Krishna. The assembly consisted of children, old men, women, animals, and all living entities. They knew that Krishna was their only means of sustenance. While this was happening, Balaram, who is the master of all knowledge, stood there simply smiling. He knew how powerful his younger brother was and that there was no cause for anxiety when Krishna was fighting with an ordinary serpent of the material world. He did not, therefore, personally take any part in their sorrow. On the other hand, all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, being disturbed, began to search out Krishna by following the impression of his footprints on the ground and thus they moved hastily toward the bank of the Jamuna. Finally, by following the footprints marked with flag, bow, and conch shell, the inhabitants of Vrindavan arrived at the riverbank and saw that all the cows and boys were weeping to behold Krishna enwrapped in the coils of the black serpent. When they became still more overwhelmed with grief, then they all then they became still more overwhelmed with grief. While Balaram was smiling to see their lamentation, all the inhabitants of Brajabhumi merged into the ocean of grief because they thought that Krishna was finished. Although the residents of Vrindavan did not know much about Krishna, their love for him was beyond comparison. As soon as they saw that Krishna was in the river Jamuna, enveloped by the serpent Kaliya, and that all the boys and cows were lamenting, they simply began to think of Krishna's friendship, his smiling face, his sweet words, and his dealings with them. Thinking all of these and seeing that their Krishna was now within the clutches of Kaliya, they at once felt that the three worlds had become 
vacant. Lord Chaitanya also said that he was seeing the three worlds as vacant for want of Krishna. This is the highest stage of Krishna consciousness. Almost all the inhabitants of Vrindavan had the highest ecstatic love for Krishna. When Mother Yashoda arrived, she wanted to enter the river of Jamuna, and being checked, she fainted. Her friends, who were equally aggrieved, were shedding tears like torrents of rain or waves of the river. But in order to bring Mother Yashoda to consciousness, they began to speak loudly about the transcendental pastimes of Krishna. Mm -hmm. Mother Yashoda remained still, as if dead, because her consciousness was concentrated on the face of Krishna. Mm -hmm. Nanda and all the other cowherd men, who had dedicated everything, including their lives, to Krishna, were ready to enter the waters of the Jamuna, but Lord Valaram checked them because he was in perfect knowledge that there was no danger. For two hours, Krishna remained like an ordinary child gripped in the coils of Kaliya. But when he saw that all the inhabitants of Gokula, including his mother and father, the gopis, the boys, and the cows, were just on the point of death, and that they had no shelter for salvation from imminent death, Krishna immediately freed himself. He began to expand his body, and when the serpent tried to hold him, he felt a great strain. On account of the strain, his coils slackened, and he had no alternative but to let loose the personality of God in Krishna from his grasp. Kaliya then became very angry, and his great hoods expanded. He exhaled poisonous fumes from his nostrils. His eyes blazed like fire, and flames issued from his mouth. The great serpent remained still for some time, looking at Krishna. Licking his lips with bifurcated tongues, the serpent looked at Krishna with double hoods, and his eyesight was full of poison. Krishna immediately pounced upon him, just as Garuda swoops upon a snake. Thus attacked, Kaliya looked for an opportunity to bite him, but Krishna moved around him. As Krishna and Kaliya moved in a circle, the serpent gradually became fatigued and his strength seemed to diminish considerably. Krishna immediately pressed down the serpent's hoods and jumped up on them. The Lord's lotus feet became tinged with red from the rays of the jewels on the snake's hoods. Then he who is the original artist of all fine arts, such as dancing, began to dance upon the hoods of the serpent, although they were moving to and fro. Upon seeing this, the denizens of the upper planets showered flowers, beat drums, played different types of flutes, and sang various prayers and songs. In this way, all the denizens of heaven, such as the Gandharvas, Siddhas, and demigods, became very much pleased. <laughs> While Krishna was dancing on his hoods, Kaliya tried to push him down with some of his other hoods. Kaliya had about a, a hundred hoods, but Krishna took control of them. He began to dash Kaliya with his lotus feet, and this was more than the serpent could bear. Gradually, Kaliya was reduced to struggling for his very life 
He vomited all kinds of refuse and exhaled fire. While throwing up poisonous material from within, Kaliya became reduced in his sinful situation. Out of great anger, he began to struggle for existence and tried to raise one of his hoods to kill the Lord. The Lord immediately captured that hood and subdued it by kicking it and dancing on it. It actually appeared as if the Supreme Personality of God in Vishnu was being worshipped. The poisons emanating from the mouth of the serpent appeared to be like flower offerings. Kaliya then began to vomit blood instead of poison. He was completely fatigued. His whole body appeared to be broken by the kicks of the Lord. Within his mind, however, he finally began to understand that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and he surrendered unto him. He realized that Krishna is the Supreme Lord, the master of everything. The wives of the serpent, known as the Nagapatnis, saw that their husband had been subdued by the Lord's kicking and that he was almost at the point of death due to bearing the heavy burden of the Lord within whose abdomen the whole universe remains. Kaliya's wives prepared to worship the Lord and in their haste their clothes, hair and ornaments became disarrayed. They also surrendered under the Supreme Lord and began to pray. They appeared before him, put forward their offspring and anxiously offered respectful obeisances, falling down on the bank of the Yamuna. The Nagapattis knew that Krishna is the shelter of all surrendered souls and they desired to release their husband from the impending danger by pleasing the Lord with their prayers. <clears throat> the Nagapatnis began to offer their prayers as follows. Our dear Lord, you are equal to everyone. For you, there is no distinction between your sons, friends, or enemies. Therefore, the punishment which you have to so kindly, which you have so kindly offered to Kaliya, is exactly befitting. O Lord, you have descended especially for the purpose of annihilating all kinds of disturbing elements within the world. And because you are the absolute truth, there is no difference between your mercy and your punishment. We think, therefore, that this apparent punishment of Kaliya is actually some benediction. We consider that your punishment is your great mercy upon us, because when you punish someone, it is to be understood that the reactions of, of his sinful activities are eradicated. It is already clear that this creature appearing in the body of a serpent must have been overburdened with all kinds of sin. Otherwise, how could he have been, had the body of a serpent? Your dancing on his hoods has reduced all the sinful results of actions caused by his having this body of a serpent. It is therefore very auspicious that you have become angry and have punished him in this way. We are very much astonished to see how you have become we are very much astonished 
to see how you have become so much pleased with this serpent. We are very much astonished to see how much you have become so pleased with this serpent, who evidently performed the various religious activities in his past lives that pleased everyone. He must have undergone all kinds of penances and austerities, humbled, humbly honored others, and executed universal welfare activities for all living creatures. The Nagapatnis confirm that one cannot come in contact with Krishna without having executed pious activities in devotional service in his previous lives. As Lord Chaitanya advised in his Shikshastaka, one has to execute devotional service by humbly chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, thinking oneself lower than the straw in the street and not expecting honor from, for himself but offering all kinds of honor to others. The Nagapatnis were astonished that although Kali had the body of a serpent as a result of grievous sinful activities, at the same time he was in contact with the Lord to, extent, to the extent that the Lord's lotus feet were touching his hoods, a blessing that must certainly have been the result of extraordinary pious activities. These two contradictory facts astonish them. Thus, they continued to pray, O oh dear Lord, we are simply astonished to see that he is so fortunate as to have the dust of your lotus feet on his head. This is fortunate. This is a fortune sought after by great saintly persons. Even the goddess of fortune underwent severe austerities just to have the blessing of the dust of your lotus feet. So how is it that Kaliya is so easily getting the dust on his head? We have heard from authoritative sources that those who are blessed with the dust of your lotus feet do not care even for the highest post within the universe, namely the post of Lord Brahma, or the kingship of the heavenly planets, or the sovereignty of this planet. Nor do such persons desire to rule the planets above this earth, such as Siddhaloka. Nor do they aspire for the mystic powers achieved by the yoga process, nor do the pure devotees aspire for liberation by becoming one with you. My Lord, although he is born in a species of life which is fostered by the most abominable mode of material nature, accompanied with the quality of anger, this king of the serpents has achieved something very, very rare. Living entities who are wandering in, within this universe in different species of life can very easily achieve the greatest benediction only by your mercy. It is confirmed in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that the living entities wandering within the universe in various species of life can get the seed of devotional service by the mercy of Krishna and the spiritual master and thus their path of liberation can be cleared. The Nagapatis continued, we therefore, offer our we therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto you, our dear Lord, 
because you are the Supreme Person who are living as the Super Soul within every living entity. Although you are transcendental to the cosmic manifestation, everything is resting in you. You are the personified, indefatigable, eternal time. The entire time force is existing in you. And you are therefore the seer and the embodiment of total time in the shape of past, present, and future, month, day, hour, moment, everything. In other words, O oh Lord, we can see perfectly all the activities. You can see perfectly all the activities happening in every moment, in every hour, in every day, in every month, in every year, past, present, and future. You are yourself the universal form, and yet you are different from this universe. You are simultaneously one with and different from the universe. We therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto you. You are, our, you are yourself the whole universe and yet you are the creator of the whole universe. You are the superintendent and maintainer of this whole universe and you are its original cause. Although you are present within this universe by your three qualitative incarnations, Brahma, Vishnu and Maheshwara, you are transcendental to the material creation. Although you are the cause of the appearance of all kinds of living entities, their senses, their lives, their minds, their intelligence, you are to be realized by your internal energy. Let us therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto you who are unlimited, finer than the finest, the center of all creation and the knower of everything. Different varieties of philosophical speculators try to reach you. You are the ultimate goal of all philosophical efforts and it is actually only you who are described by all philosophies and by different kinds of doctrines. Let us offer our respectful obeisances unto you because you are the origin of all scripture and the source of knowledge. You are, you are the root of all evidences and you are the supreme person who can bestow upon us the supreme knowledge. You are the cause of all kinds of desires and you are the cause of all kinds of satisfaction. You are the Vedas personified. Therefore, we offer you our respectful obeisances. Our dear Lord, you are the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna and you are also the Supreme Enjoyer. You have now appeared as the son of Basudev, who is a manifestation of the state of pure goodness. You are the predominating deities of mind and intelligence, Aniruddha and Prajumna, and you are the Lord of all Vaishnavas. By your expansion as the Chaturvyuha, namely Vasudev, Sankrishan, Aniruddha and Prajumna. You are the cause of the development of mind and intelligence. By your activities only, the living entities become covered by forgetfulness or discover their real identity. 
This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, 15th chapter. The Lord is sitting as the super soul in everyone's heart. And due to His presence, the living entity either forgets himself or revives his original identity. We can partially understand that you are within our hearts as the witness of, our, of all our activities, but it is very difficult to appreciate your presence, although every one of us can do so to some extent. You are the supreme controller of both the material and spiritual energies. Therefore, you are the supreme leader, although you are different from this cosmic manifestation. You were the witness and creator and the very ingredient of this cosmic manifestation. We therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto you. Our dear Lord, in the matter of creating this cosmic manifestation, personally, you have nothing to exert. By expanding your different kinds of energy, namely the mode of passion, the mode of goodness, and the mode of ignorance, you create, maintain, and annihilate this cosmic manifestation. As the controller of the entire time force, you simply glance over the material energy, thereby creating this universe and energizing the different modes of material nature, which act differently in different creatures. No one can estimate, therefore, how your activities are going on within this world. Our dear Lord, although you have expanded into the three principal deities of this universe, namely Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu, and Lord Shiva, for creation, maintenance, and destruction, your appearance as Lord Vishnu is actually for the benediction of living creatures. Therefore, for those who are actually peaceful and who are aspiring after the supreme peace, worship of your peaceful appearance as Lord Vishnu is recommended. O Lord, we are submitting our prayers unto you. You can appreciate that this poor serpent is going to give up his life you know that for us women, our husband is our life and everything. Therefore, we are praying unto you that you kindly excuse Kalia, our husband, because if this serpent dies, then we shall be in great difficulty. Looking upon us only, please excuse this great offender. Our dear Lord, every living creature is your offspring, and you maintain everyone. This serpent is also your offspring, and you can excuse him once, although he has offended you, undoubtedly, without knowing your supremacy. We are praying that he may be excused this time. Our dear Lord, we are offering our loving service unto you because we are all eternal servitors of your Lordship. You can order us to do whatever you please. Every living being can be relieved from all kinds of despair if he agrees to abide by your orders. After the Nagapatnis submitted their prayers, Lord Krishna released Kaliya from his punishment. Kaliya was already unconscious from being struck by the Lord. Upon regaining consciousness and being released from the punishment, Kaliya got back his life force and the working power of his senses. With folded hands, he humbly began to pray to the Supreme Lord Krishna. My dear Lord, I have been born in such a species that by nature I am angry and envious, being in the darkest region of the mode of ignorance. Your Lordship knows well that it is very difficult to give up one's natural instincts. 
Although by such instincts, the living creature transmigrates from one body to another. It is also confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita that it is very difficult to get out of the clutches of material nature. But if anyone surrenders under the Supreme Personality of God in Krishna, the modes of material nature can no longer act on him. My dear Lord, Kaliya continued, you are the original creator of the modes of material nature by which the universe is created. And you are the cause of the different kinds of mentality possessed by living creatures by which they have obtained different varieties of bodies. My dear Lord, I am but, I am born as, as a serpent. Therefore, by natural instinct, I'm very angry. How is it then possible to give up my acquired nature without your mercy? It is very difficult to get out of the clutches of your maya. By your maya, we are enslaved. By your maya, remain enslaved. My dear Lord, kindly excuse me for my inevitable material tendencies. I surrender unto you. Now you can punish me or save me as you desire. After hearing this, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is acting as a small human child, ordered the serpent thus, you must immediately leave this place and go to the ocean. Leave without delay. You can take with you all your offspring, wives, and everything that you possess. Don't pollute the waters of the Jamuna. Let it be drunk by my cows and cowherd boys without hindrance. The Lord then declared that the order given to the Kaliya snake be recited and heard by everyone so that no one need fear Kaliya any longer. Anyone who hears the narration of the Kaliya serpent and his punishment will need fear no more the envious activities of snakes. The Lord also declared, if one takes a bath in the Kaliya lake where my cowherd boyfriends and I bathe, or if one fasts for a day and offers oblations to the forefathers from the water of this lake, he will be relieved from all kinds of sinful reactions. The Lord also assured Kaliya, you came here out of fear of Garuda, who wanted to eat you in the beautiful land by the ocean. Now, after seeing the marks where I have touched your head with my lotus feet, Garuda will not disturb you. The Lord was pleased with Kaliya and his wives. Immediately after hearing his order, the snake and his wives began to worship him with great offerings of nice garments, flowers, garlands, jewels, ornaments, sandalwood pole, lotus flowers, and nice edible fruits. Nice eatable fruits. In this way they pleased the master of Garuda, of whom they were very much afraid. Then, obeying the orders of Lord Krishna, all of them left the lake within the Jamuda. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 16th chapter of Krishna subduing Kaliya. With their husband, but then when they they notice his countenance changes, yes. and then he's becoming more submissive to Krishna, then they start backing him up again. 
really interesting. I, I like what you said because I've always appreciated the Nagapatnis and how, yeah. how they related to Krishna. Yeah. They stayed chaste, but they didn't cross the line. They were reasonable about it because they were, they were watching the situation and making sure that they were first chaste to Krishna and then doing their duty and to their husband. Culture. They were highly cultured also. Yes. I mean, everything they say is. What did you all think of the story? Krishna's subduing Kaliya. Um, not only culture, but they speak high philosophy as women. That's yes. quite impressive. And yeah. It's not the only instance where you see prayers which contain such high philosophy for the ladies. The, the part that um, the residents of Vrindavan followed uh, Krishna's footprints and it showed in his footprints the little conchal flag and everything. And also the little part where when Krishna danced on the hoods, his footprints were embedded into, his, into the hoods. And so wherever Krishna goes, his footprints stay there. It's a very nice part. The footprints by Vishwanath, because he raises the question that how is it that there are millions, billions, Arbudas, trillions of cows walking here and there, and in the Vrindavan area, what to speak of the residents? So, how is it that Krishna's footprints are so preserved? And then he says that all the inhabitants there are always aware that his footprints are there and they walk around them. So they, they never um, step on the footprints and, and disturb them. Yes. <coughs> Another aspect of this Leela which we didn't hear is that Krishna was doing other things out there in the hoods. Actually had a rasa dance out there. Oh, wait. Sorry. I stand correct. Yeah, I have to correct this. He didn't have the rasa dance in the hoods of Kalia at that time. But in Rhea Bhagavatamrita, Sanatya Goswami tells that when Gopal Kumar went to Goloka Vrindavan, not on the earth, not in Bhumi Vrindavan, sometimes the Kaliya serpent comes there. And that one of those times when Gopal Kumar witnessed that when all of the residents of Vrindavan came and they were passed out, and the gopis were the last to arrive, because they were stumbling along the way, because they were so much bewildered and disturbed, that when they arrived there, everyone else was on the ground unconscious. So Krishna, he just, in one grab, he grabbed them all, and he put them on the hoods of the serpent, and he had a rasa dance with, with gopis. Is this then assume that that just like there are different Brahmas, there are also different Kaliyas, because we tend to think that it's the same entity. Here or there, just Kaliyas, just one same serpent. I'm asking in the case of Brahma, when he thought that he was the only one, then it was, it was evident that he was not the only Brahma in the universe. Is that the only Kaliya or there are many? 
that's a highly, highly esoteric question. Um, first of all, all these pastimes are eternal. They're going on in the material world as long as the material world exists. In other words, <clears throat> as soon as one pastime is finished in one universe, it begins in another universe. And on top of that, the pastimes are going on in the spiritual world. Yeah. So, um, yes. What did you ask? Oh, I just, another charming aspect of this variety of the pastime that's mentioned in the Briyat Bhagavatamrita is that sometimes Krishna harnesses Kaliya like a horse and rides him around, <coughs> yeah. takes him into Mathura. Yeah. <laughs> Gives rides to the kids. Okay, and then last thing, um, any realizations from the day or the week? So far, a main realization that you're taking away. I got one. There's no place like. <laughs> when I came to Govardhan and got into my room, there's no place like home. Realizations from the day to the week. but something that stuck with uh, this uh, uh, last part. Um, that the uh, Nagapatnis were saying that the, both benedictions and punishments are the same thing. They're all, they're all benedictions. So in other words, they said so, it. you mean that, so have you realized that? Or? I didn't realize no, that. No. <laughs> nice. Maybe sometimes. I <clears throat> What else? Realizations. It's a few minutes left, so share. Sharing means caring. Salvation Army. Um, one thing I've been, just the last couple of days, just the power of hearing the association devotees and the point of hearing for a long time, where it's kind of like your mind doesn't get a chance to go to something else. We're, you know, we're on a time schedule. We come in here and we're just hearing. And even if we want to try to, you know, do something else, as soon as long as we put ourselves in the right place, and we're getting, we're moving in the right direction. Nice. Very good. A lot. That's good. Thank you. Um, a short realization after spending a few days in Gopalam. We actually spent a few days in Vrindavan first, from Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong is very chaotic right now. And then we went to Vrindavan. Vrindavan is also chaotic for me. <laughs> I have to say because of the approaching of Kantek and so many devotees, non-devotees, traveling to Vrindavan. And um, it's very difficult to appreciate the town in Vrindavan, I have to say, nowadays. So when, I, when we moved to Govardhan, I really feel the atmosphere is different. It's more peaceful and serene. And I can really feel relaxed right now. And often he, um, listening to the classes and also petting the cows. <laughs> That's really a, a very good, uh, I mean, a kind of, to 
rest a month, yeah. But uh, I have to say I have to go back home very soon. <laughs> what to do? Service in separation is the highest form of emotional service. Yes. And we make yes. the next visit even better. Yes. That's but it's, nice. it's easy, easy to set them to, that, to do it. <laughs> yes. Okay, we have a couple minutes okay. left. Share your realizations. Yes. Just when I was leaving Alachua, because I had given a class a few weeks ago and I talked about what you do here all month, and several devotees came to me and said, Prabhu, enjoy your six hours of reading a day. Because it's just a strange phenomenon. Most devotees, when you say, because I have a reading schedule, and they see it because I do it in the morning, and they think, how can you read for six hours a day? But when you sit down and you do this, it's just the days fly by. It's nectar. It's like the old days when we used to read on the way to the airport. And it's, you know, Vaish wouldn't let you talk. You know, you had to read, sing. Oh, completely. I mean, we'd, if, on the way out to the airport, you're reading, you're singing. It's, that's the, that was it. That was your choice. And I'm thankful for that. <laughs> Recently, I took up the service of recording Srila Prabhupada's major works as audiobooks. And uh, I'm up to, I've just passed the 22nd chapter of the Madhulila of Chaitanya Charitamrita. So we have that much reported. And I was reading one purport in which Srila Prabhupada was expressing how much it meant to him the publication of his books. And I realized, all of a sudden I realized that what we're going to do with this audiobook, we're going to publish Prabhupada's books. And every time I mention it to anybody, wherever I am, they always say, this is really important because it's very difficult for us to read anymore. And then when we hear over and over and over, when you read every day, you hear over and over again how important it is to hear. So it's not to read, it can be not to read. But reading out loud, especially in the association of Vaishnavas, it comes to Sangamaviriya, Sangamaviriya, it is how you get the Sayana Kata. It's how you get a taste for hearing and a taste for Krishna consciousness and attraction and attachment for Krishna. And you can't get it in any other way. Thanks everyone for attending this uh, ongoing program here at Gilbert Hill. We'll miss everybody for the next three days. We'll try to avoid in every possible way going to the meetings. But, um, couldn't get out of it. So um, we're going. It's, they are important. The meetings there are substantive and they, they relate to the service we're doing here. So we'll see you back here on uh, the, the 18th, ready to go, Krishna, we can get back um, safely and on time. And please give us prayers that we can prevail in the GBC and that we, we can um, also travel safely. I have to make one public service announcement. While Vaishishiki Prabhu is gone, we're going to continue to read. We're on the 29th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam in our daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. 
So I kindly offer an invitation to any of the uh, listeners and of Fan the Spark to come and join us and increase the uh, number of followers of this wonderful uh, yagya, eternal yagya. And we're going to start at 4 o'clock in the afternoon every day. And it'll be 4 until maybe 6, 4 to 5, 30, 4 to 6. We'll have plenty of time to get ourselves ready for Dhamma Rastu. And we invite all of you to come, especially the already the bodies that already follow the daily readings of Shri Prabhupada's folks. But anyone else is listening, please join us. And we will continue to hear the pastimes of Krishna in his very special way of the Pancha. Not to the arm, Marman. 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 Not to the arm, Marman.